Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. It's all the pooping. You now don't. Stop. Fit Why you record? Why are you? What, are you what is going on here? <laughs> you maniac. You mad lad. It's not appropriate for our audience. Quick, quick question. Does anybody know who our audience is? Uh, four it's, people in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Four people in Minneapolis, <laughs> Minnesota. Hypothetically, four people. I don't 80, think those four people actually listen to most episodes. Um, and 87 but, bots. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, other podcasts. Like, and, a lot of our Twitter podcasts. followers are other podcasts. And we yeah, appreciate true. every single oh, yeah, of one course. of them. To be fair, I do think that that if you have a Twitter, most of your followers are podcast, just random podcasts. That's true. You know what yeah, I, mean? I will there, say. There uh, may be more podcasts than human beings at this point. As Almost certainly. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, we're, thank do, you we're for, doing our part. We're sure. every every week, baby. Uh, thank you for listening to this it one. Is. This is Try Love. Well, uh, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies. We are, of course, talking about movies that are not currently playing at the Trilon right now. So if you're looking for those, go into our backlog or listen in a couple of weeks. Uh, my name is Jason. Uh, I'm not going to pedal all the way to New Zealand. And you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. The name's Cody Narvison. Who cares? And you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I only live to get radical. I'm Harry Mackin, and you can find me at Shiitake Harry. And I'm Aaron, and my wife wants me to stay at the Ramada. You can find me on Twitter at RB, please. <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't give this at the top, but you can find our podcast at Trilove Podcast on Twitter. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and Trilon.org. Get tickets to shows and join their club and buy merch and stuff to support them. And this week, of course, we are covering a film called Point Break from 1991, directed by Catherine Bigelow, starring... Uh, I was just going to call him Johnny Utah, Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, I know it, it's, it's synonymous. Um, and this of course is our final in the boy, non lawn boys pick series. Do we, do we want to get into a little bit of why we picked this one as our, as our ending pick? We went through sure. one each for each of us. Um, but I want Aaron to, uh, I, I, I kind of want to assess out why we talk, why we picked this movie before we talk yeah. about what it's about. Uh, sure. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's the I think it's the kind of film that we enjoy, but we we maybe often don't get to talk about too much when covering Trilon films. I think Trilon has a good kind of spread, but um, kind of the the dumb action movie uh, genre is, is something that's covered a little bit. I mean, we've talked about Hard Target and Face Off, you know, but like apart from like I think John Woo, there, there hasn't been too many of them. So I, I think this film was like a classic in that genre. Um, uh, directed uh, by Catherine Bigelow as well, uh, notable director. Uh, female director, uh, something that we don't get the opportunity to cover as much as maybe we'd like to. Um, and also, uh, this film helped kind of inspire the Fast and Furious series, uh, which uh, we're all kind of fans of uh, just based on uh, the amount of references. We, we drop in episodes that have nothing to do with Fast and Furious. The audience maybe can tell. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's kind of I think why I kind of uh, went in with with the pitch with you guys. I don't know. Is there anything I'm missing? Yeah. There? Uh, 
quick roll call. Who had seen this movie before this viewing? Uh, I had, and I really wanted to watch it with all of you because um, I think it rocks, I guess, spoilers. But uh, so I was just excited to watch it in general. So I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, I had also seen it once before. Jason, did you? No. Were we 50-50 on this? Yeah, 50-50. Perfect. Classic classic 50-50 scenario. What a perfect 50-50 non-alone voice pick. Uh, So, Aaron, then you tell us a little bit about what, excuse me, what Point Break is about with your classic patented Aaron Grossman summary. Patented Point Break, 1991, directed by Catherine Bigelow, as uh, mentioned, follows Johnny Utah, uh, as also mentioned earlier, uh, played by the legend himself, uh, uh, trial of favorite Keanu Reeves. Uh, Johnny is a former Ohio State quarterback, a freshly recruited agent of the FBI, working alongside Angelo Pappas, played by Gary Busey, uh, kind of investigating bank robberies and trying to stay out of the sight of, uh, they're both kind of trying to stay out of the sight of their rough and demanding boss, Ben Harp, who is played terrifyingly in this movie by John C. McGinley. Uh, Utah and Papa's attempt to track down a group of criminals known specifically as the ex-presidents, named for their penchant for wearing masks of, of former U.S. presidents, Reagan and Nixon and LBJ and whatnot, um, who appear to rob banks at the start of surfing season to kind of help fund their carefree lives. Uh, Utah goes undercover by meeting a surfer and waitress named Tyler Endicott, played by Lori Petty, uh, who gets him in with a, a local group of surfers led by a deeply philosophical man named Body. Uh, played by Patrick Swayze, uh, who turns out to be uh, that the group turns out to be the ex-presidents uh, themselves. Johnny Utah must then balance his newfound love of Tyler, and depending on the reading of the film, maybe body as well, uh, with his duties as an FBI officer. Uh, the film was commercially successful upon release, was also fairly critically acclaimed, although I think in the uh, kind of following decades, the film has since kind of been considered uh, a more intelligent and self-worth film than a lot of people considered it on release. Uh, although it wasn't Keanu Reeves' first film or even his breakout film, that's that's arguably Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Uh, Point Break would, along with 1994's Speed and, and later 99 The Matrix, uh, catapult Keanu Reeves into action movie stardom. Jason, take it away. No, a wonderful, wonderful, uh, fine, fine summary. Um, yeah, I was just going might, to bring up that might have been one of our best summaries, Aaron. Legitimately, because I wrote it, it, it 15 not minutes be- ago. Yes. Wow, uh, that's Off a lesson. Do not do any work until yeah, the last ten minutes. Um, I I'm glad you brought up the Keanu Reeves thing because I'm not the most familiar with his career, but like this stuck out um, in a long line of his movies that I was just like culturally aware of prior to watching as like the one that is the linchpin between him being sort of a comedy and rom com star and you know full fledged action stardom. Like I I don't know if he would be full fledged like you uh, completely unanimously known as a, an action star until like the matrix probably. I mean, though he had, um, you know, speed and Johnny mnemonic in there too, just like that. This was a great midway point between his pre career and his post career. I think it can be pretty, uh, succinctly defined by, by, um, in terms of point break, but, uh, I really did enjoy this film. It is a perfect w- movie to watch, uh, just among friends. And like, I was planning to watch it at some point, but it was sort of like, no, let's not watch it this weekend. Let's watch it whenever, like whenever the guys can, whenever the boys can. Um, and just kept putting it off, putting it off. And I'm really glad we ended up getting to it. Uh, I love like a, a, a lot about this movie. I don't think that any of its praises were, um, undue. I don't think anything that I heard about it was, uh, way too like i don't think anything i heard about it was fawning that it didn't deserve i guess um 
I love how hard it is to see Patrick Swayze as the bad guy. I know that's by design, but like he's so magnetic. Like when Johnny says that he's drawn to the beach, he's, it's like foreshadowing that he's actually drawn to Bodhi and like a whole lifestyle and philosophy that Bodhi embodies. Um, I found it like somewhat frustrating throughout, but ultimately uh, it worked for me that Johnny and Tyler are never supposed to be really like convincingly the emotional center of the movie. Um, their relationship, I think, is going to be a fun thing to talk about. Um, uh, let's see. My other notes are that, oh, I, I love how it builds uh, Johnny Utah as like a picture of this um, all American, like yuppie idealism. I think that it's like building him within a system and then saying, like, oh, he feels that he's successful and that he's breaking out within that system, but Bodhi exists and this whole other philosophy this whole other way of life exists just to show that that's actually bullshit that he's still constrained by the values of a culture that he exists in and the values of a system that he perpetuates um which i felt like was a really interesting way to to sum up his character by the end um and i love the implications that it makes about uh like an effective team obviously you've got the ex-presidents versus um pretty much <laughs> like the full force of the of the fbi uh trying to crack down on down on them that um you know, the ex-presidents are sort of driven by a philosophical uh, drive to wake the masses, you know, the sleeping in traffic line that Bodhi has partway through the movie. And the cops are driven by a philosophy to literally just protect capital. And it's like, cool. Well, we have the clear delineation of why each party is doing this and which one is going to come out on top. Um, anyway, uh, I really did quite enjoy it. There's a lot there that I want to dig into. Um, and I'm eager to hear what Cody has to say, because I'd like to start taking some notes. Sure. Uh, note away. Um yeah, what a way to wrap up the non-lon pickies. Holy shit. Uh, I guess first off, for anybody here, as well as for anybody listening who's, you know, craving some Keanu Reeves context, uh, stay tuned for this episode's noties. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah we've, uh, we've, never, we've never teased them like that before. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, gotta, gotta bring it all whip out the big guns for the finale of a series, I guess. Um, I won't be able to do this again. Uh, but yeah, I, I've seen point break only once before this, uh, that was last summer. I watched it as part of my, my birthday slate of movies, which also included a viewing of annihilation with the fellas shout out to the fellas and also a solo screening of yourself and yours, which is a Hong Sang Soo film. I'm saying all this because at this point, even as we're, hopefully nearing the uh, the end of lockdown, hopefully, again, hopefully, it's much easier for me to contextualize time that has passed by aligning it with, uh, you know, the movies I happened to be watching. Yo, um, I forgot that you watched yourself and yours. We should talk about that sometime when we're not on the podcast. That's a really yeah, fascinating movie. <laughs> we really should. Um, also, by the way, if you're listening to this and haven't already, please get your COVID-19 vaccination or vaccinations. Sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> shout outs to vaccines. Uh, but anyway, uh, my first time around, I, I recall liking and appreciating what I felt Point Break was doing. And I think this time, the main difference for me was that I simply appreciated this movie and those things even more. Uh, it's a dude's movie and very pointedly so, because I think, uh, and I don't know how much this will you know, come to contention. I At its best, Point Break is critiquing the formation and sustaining of identity in general, but specifically with regards to men. I think it works really well that way. Uh, this movie paints... Uh, different identity sort of binaries, the idea of like, you know, you're either a free spirit or your spirit is trapped. You wear a, a swimsuit or you wear the suit of a lawyer or the uniform of a cop or something. It, uh, it isn't until we all 
you know, literally hit the water or until we fall out of a plane, et cetera, that we start to view identity as a more fluid construct and ask ourselves the questions of who we are and who we want to be and what exactly is the identity we want to craft for ourselves. Um, and curiously, uh, I watched Speed for the first time yesterday. And uh, while discussing a bomb, the villain of that movie posits that to explode is to become and a sort of perversion of our world is that we're always trying to keep the bomb from going off. And that in particular made me rethink about how in point break, the process of self self actualizing, right. Is, um, or even just like taking the first steps to doing so is met with obstacles at every turn. Like we see in, in point break that the surfing lifestyle was initially very gatekeepery, something presented as not being meant for just anyone. And then obviously the purpose of a cop is to prevent things from happening. That's a rigid societal role embodied uh, by John C. McGinley's very rigid, toxically masculine character. Um, and I don't know, maybe the takeaway here is that finding yourself is maybe the most important thing, but it's an unforgiving process. And there may Ew. not be uh, a safe haven for you, like, you know, in which you can achieve that, uh, you know, like the only place for you may be equivalent to the, you know, the site of a once in a lifetime storm taking place on the other side of the planet or something. Uh, but yeah, I, I still feel very much like I'm actively learning how I feel about Point Break even now. So I'm looking forward to us talking about it. Um, this movie rules. Dudes rock. Surf's up. Over to you, Harry. Hang 10, et cetera. Yeah. Um, this movie completely kicks ass. I adore it. Um, Jason and Cody, you both said some really great things I want to talk about. Um, first of all, uh, I don't know if we've talked about it a ton. I think I've brought this up before, but uh, and Aaron mentioned it. We we all love Keanu Reeves here. Um, I think Keanu Reeves is like an uh, unambiguously fantastic actor, one of the best of his generation. Um, and I think that, that he is often maligned unfairly because he's a very um, soulful and sort of like uh, non-traditional actor. Um, there's a really great article from 2016 on RogerEbert.com called The Grace of Keanu Reeves by uh, Angelica Jade Bestine. Um, I would highly suggest you check that out. That's a really, really great um, summary of his career. Um, I think that placing Keanu Reeves in this movie in the 90s the way that uh, Catherine Bigelow did is such pointed, fantastic stunt casting almost because this movie is really about a reevaluation of masculinity itself um as we head into the 21st century and that's a really fascinating it's a encapsulating that in this presence of keanu reeves who can sort of embody both the masculine and the soulful and um embodying that reevaluation within him and then within patrick swayze is a really fantastic sort of formalist um means of communicating your theme. Um, and that really like, it's a one great example of motifs that, uh, make this movie so thoughtful and so well done. Um, I really liked everything Cody said about blowing up and exploring identity. Um, that intersects really well with this movie's critiques of the ways in which capitalism and uh, hetero uh, toxic masculinity intersect. Um, I really appreciate how, unsparing this movie is with Johnny Utah and Patrick Swayze or uh, Body's characters themselves. Um, it doesn't give them a, a decent way out, right? Like Johnny Utah is a likable character because he's played by smoking hot Keanu Reeves, but he is also a deeply warped character. And I think the movie does a really good job of depicting how warped he is. And I really like the ways in which it demonstrates how the reason why he became the warped soul, soulless person, right? Uh, as, as Laurie accuses him later in the movie, um, 
is because of how frictionless his life had been up to that point. Um, I really love the ways in which this movie shouts out how joining the FBI is such a natural extension of being a high school quarterback uh, and a college quarterback. That's hilarious to me and super appropriate. Um, and it it does such a great job of uh, it's yeah. Sorry, Cody. It's it's uh, Bodhi, as in Bodhisattva, I believe, right? Not body. Um, but I mean, uh, yes, uh, imagine, yes is the, imagine how yeah. unbelievably like thematically significant it would be if it were pronounced body. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's totally, that's totally the reference point. Yeah. Yeah. One, yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I think that, I think this movie is in addition to everything else it's doing, it's about the difficulty or impossibility of achieving true actualization, true self-definition, um, under capitalism. And it does it through this, like this really awesome, like almost Greek tragic um, relationship at the core of this movie between body and um, Johnny Utah, where these are two men who are soulmates and who want to be a certain way and who can't be either of them can't be uh, because of the ways in which the systems work against them. And the way they change each other is by uh, realizing mutually that they can't get what they want and that they have to be enemies. And I think that that positioning them as enemies when they are clearly soulmates in that way is a really great way of demonstrating the ways in which the, the system depersonalizes and dehumanizes people. Um, and it all culminates in this, this really great relationship that, that has one of my favorite final scenes in any movie. Right. And it's, it's just great. Like, it's just an awesome, like, it's an easy watch and it's a, a thoughtful movie and it's also just a fucking dude's rock movie with some of the best like single set pieces I've ever seen. I think that um, Johnny leaping out of the uh, plane without a parachute to try to catch up to um, the surfers is is maybe one of my favorite set pieces in any movie ever, just in terms of how batshit and like brilliant that idea is and how well it encapsulates the like... Um, live to get radical uh like death wish that these characters come to have and what that signifies it's just awesome i think yeah if you if you like this film you might like the video game series metal gear solid there might be a lot yes. of things yeah. to appreciate <laughs> similarly here we go I mean, i'm, I'm kind of like kind of joking right but there's like uh, there's the the dna of like pretty much every action video game ever made since this movie came out in this film like it yes it's like just so recognizable. Um, also, I mean, we referenced that earlier, but like Fast and Furious films. I mean, specifically the the first Fast and Furious movie is like just kind it's of a, a, it's a, a remake rip-off. of this. Yeah, it's yeah. a ripoff um, of Point Break, and not as not as good. Um, I do have to confess, uh, kind of the the one thing that I don't think I like about this movie that is not a criticism of this movie, but is is kind of uh, maybe a problem with me is that the the it's not a genre like the trope of uh, a cop or like an FBI, uh, a member of the FBI having to go undercover and like infiltrate a group and then like his allegiances to, to his organization and the group and like a love interest are like put against each other. It's kind of like one of my least favorite things to watch in a movie. Uh, it's not that it's bad, but like it makes me really uncomfortable. Does anybody else have this? What uncomfortable? How, what do you mean? Um, it, it, so I would compare it most to uh, like 10 things I hate about you. For example, we talked about my uncomfortable oh, uh, yeah. uncomfortableness with like just all teen movies or all high school movies. It's like the same thing where I just don't like, like the drama that's brought up feels like really queasy to me in a weird way. And it's like, again, I, totally a problem with me. 
Well, and um, it's supposed to, right? I mean, like, yes. like I think maybe the worst thing that any human being does in this movie is Johnny Utah lying to um, his love interest about the fact that his parents were killed so that he can get in with yeah. her, right? Like, that's that's like that's a horrible fucking gaslighting thing that he does. And like, I think some of that queasiness is is um, is very much intentional, which is what I brought up before. Um, but yes, I, I agree with that. And it, it's like where a lot of the drama comes from. Uh, but at yeah. the same time, like it's the same reason, like there's a bunch of reasons why the first fast and furious movie is my least favorite in that series. But like, that's one of them is the, like, it's doing the same thing. And like, I, I just makes me feel kind of queasy. Um, that being said, uh, yeah, this movie also is, this it, movie's it great. sucks that, the, yeah. Sorry, this is a digression, no. but like the Fast and Furious is never anti-cop enough, and then especially in the later installments when it becomes pro-cop again. But like that—that that is one thing that this movie like substantially has over Fast and Furious One, right? Is that the Fast and the Furious kind of gets away with like building this drama without being explicitly anti-cop, which doesn't make any sense. Whereas this movie is very much about fuck the FBI. Yeah. Yes, I, I, and and there's like a philosophical core that that speaks to that as well. Um, uh, but so like as as far as like my overall enjoyment of this movie, um, I did really like it. I think specifically the the quality of the action scenes here, it's it's like simply undeniable. I think that like the the bank robbery heist kind of chase scene in particular, uh, as well as the skydiving scenes, which Harry mentioned, I think those are both really incredible. Um, Bigelow specifically is a, a director who is kind of bucked trends all throughout her career as she was specifically known for that in her early career, uh, which point break is a part of Um, in kind of my mind, her, her films are like this weird, uh, like they sit in this weird impossible middle space where they buck trends and also follow those trends and push them to the limit. Um, I think I find that despite kind of the, uh, the readings of this film that have come up over the past few decades, I think I find the parts of this film that are simply pushing the limits of action cinema to, to me to be more interesting. Um, but that's kind of my own personal uh, readings. I think that, you know, she, she has a quote, there's a, there's an interview with her uh, from like 1990 called Catherine Bigelow discusses role of seductive violence in her films, where she talks about kind of her, uh, her interest in that she was known kind of like Tarantino in a way back then is like a very violent filmmaker. I think a lot of people, especially as a film, a female filmmaker saw her as like standing out from the crowd in that manner. Um, in, in that interview, she talks about how much she likes provocative, high impact, uh, films that really push the limits on, on what people have seen before. Um, and I think in that manner, uh, this film is like a really, really great film. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really liked this movie and I'm interested to talk about it more for sure. Um, before we get too much far into like the starting talking points, I just want to comment. I think Aaron, it's probably more tangent than supporting to your sort of queasiness, your uneasiness with the whole FBI drama thing. But I think that that is, if there is a weakness to this movie, I think it is that I think it sort of spins it into a strength and like, of course it serves the narrative and everything. But I think that as a viewer, like the weakness, if it has any for me is that you don't often feel the tension of Johnny, like upholding his FBI training versus like trading it in or abandoning it, abandoning it in favor of new morals or like a new understanding of the world. Like Keanu Reeves embodies that sort of struggle well, I think, but I don't think that it's ever like from the moment you're watching this movie, you know that it's not going to be a story about, whether or not a cop can hold to his own, you know, true sense of self, you know, that it's going to be, um, 
about, you know, he he's he's learning new things from a new life perspective, from, you know, being part of a new group, from finally like making something that contributes to society out of himself. Like I think that this is best exemplified, particularly near the end, uh, where I mean, spoilers, but um, the fact that Johnny assumes that Bodhi doesn't yet know that he's an FBI agent, which I think is just the most glaring overlook of, I mean, it's a cinema, <laughs> it's a cinema sins complaint, but like the fact that he would see, he would have his suspicions already about Bodhi, see him climbing, see somebody climbing the fence, know that the person has seen his face. Like, of course that moment is played for tension. It's like, he has to make the decision uh, and you feel that. But then like, after that, we don't see like he, he, he assumes then that Bodhi does not know. I guess that just robs some of the tension of that whole plot element of him being an FBI agent. I mean, the overarching concept of him being an FBI agent and sort of the, um, like him being shaken from the stupor of, uh, like, like Harry was saying, like self-defining under capitalism. Uh, but I don't think that it like adds to the tension or to the driving like narrative of the movie. I don't know if that is like a larger complaint that anybody else can get on board with, but it just left me with like, okay, we can, we can see what it's trying to do, um, but it's never. But it doesn't come to like a a really hearty fruition. The hearty fruition is in the relationship between Johnny as a character and Bodhi as a character, not as like Johnny as a cop and Bodhi as a surfer. To me, anyway, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that the reason why it ends up working for me is because I agree with you that the tension is not that um, Johnny Utah is, is going to stick with his his sort of cop moral center or um, join the surfers. I think it, it becomes that he tries to be himself while remaining uh, the cop, even though that is clearly no longer the right mold for who he is and never was. And that's why we get the tension between um, body and uh, Johnny that we get at the end of the movie is because like he is trying, he like makes a category mistake, right? Where like, he's trying to do something with the enormity of his feelings, but because he's a cop or an FBI agent, the only thing he can do with those feelings is express them in this like dogged, um, unrelenting, unrelenting pursuit when really it's, it's love. Right. And like, this is, this is Johnny attempting to express his love and his fascination and obsession with body. And the only means he has to express that is by trying to hunt and destroy because he's an FBI agent. Right. And I mean, like the movie is, is it plays into this like deliciously. Right. Like I think the most, um, the most memorable line is like when they're in the plane body literally says to Johnny, you want me so bad. It's like acid in your mouth. And it's like, fuck man. Like Mm -hmm. this movie could not be more homoerotic. And, um, and so to me, that's like a really great um, – that the tension becomes different from what you might suspect it is because I agree with you that it's not about Johnny trying to remain um, a cop. It's the fact that he thinks he has to be even though it's such a uh, square peg for a round hole, right? And like – feeling the tension with this character and feeling how that tension forces body to be um at tension with himself too because body ends up as compromised in this movie as um johnny does and maybe we can talk about that later but like this is a man who abhors violence and i think that's legitimate right i think that he really believes that he is a person who does not want to hurt people and and who actually wants to help liberate and free people. And because of the position that he finds himself in against the system and against this FBI agent, he has to further and further compromise himself the same way that Johnny does, right? Like, I think that, that if the worst thing that happens in this movie is the way that Johnny lies to um, Tyler, then the second worst thing that happens in this movie is that Tyler is kidnapped by... 
um, the surfers. And that is such a contradiction in terms of, of what they are doing and what they're all about, right? Like they're all about freedom and expression. Right, and right. What, what do they do to Tyler? They imprison her and they actually force her to dress up as a woman. That's something that, that is sort of blinking. You'll miss it, but she's wearing a nightgown when they release her and she had been masculine coded up to this point in the movie in terms of the clothes she wears and the way she was acting, which Uh in terms of homoeroticism is like a whole other thesis point. But, um, and so like, it's, it's really fascinating that that body, despite being this person who is ostensibly about these things, he has to be a hypocrite in the same way that Johnny Utah is right. Because he has to rob people. He ends up shooting a cop to death. He has to be violent. He loses all of his friends. And so like, uh, the the other way that these characters are such great soulmates is that they both have to compromise themselves to the very end, right? Like they are both broken people who cannot be the people they want to be because of the system that they have to be a part of. Um, the only difference being that uh, Body is trying to break out of that system, whereas Johnny can't find his way out, right? He's still, he, he is still um, beholden to it up until the end. Yeah, I'm pretty well on board with that. I think my two cents of like my similar but different view of that is like this very easily could have been a a a different movie wherein you know like uh johnny utah's partnered with somebody who's like like he could have been partnered with john c mcginley's character and angelo pappas was just not you know there just not a presence at all but uh i i think it's i guess like important for my viewing of point break to see Johnny Utah and uh, Angelo Papas, um, you like kind of united from the beginning in a, a similar sort of way that you know we eventually see Johnny Utah and Bodhi sort of have that relationship from from both sides. There's this uh, this this presence that is supportive of you know uh, uh, reaching a, a common goal, whereas the subtext is maybe I don't know if it's too too much of a stretch as uh, Chaco leaps up onto the table that, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get some semblance of like finding a common ground in uh, identity for Johnny Utah by the end of it. And, you know, uh, like to, to the character of Pappas's, uh credit, you know, I feel like so much of the movie hinges upon that very broy opening and like specifically for me leading up to, to Busey's reading of the ex-president's or surfers like if that idea <laughs> if that idea doesn't land and like you aren't sold on that then like much like uh, the structure of this movie uh, uh and like what it's trying to do like it's probably going to be lost on you and so i'm very appreciative of how that works and i'm appreciative of how you know Pappas is built up as this um you know uh, obviously he's a cop obviously he and Johnny Utah in the end aren't going to see eye to eye on everything if he had lived like I'm sure there would have been some disagreements obviously Johnny Utah and Bodhi had you know their disagreements that's the crux of the movie but the fact that we see losses on both sides it paints this movie uh, uh, differently you know in, in a like a very spiritual way as you know I guess getting back to my own reading of this being like an unforgiving view of somebody trying to find themselves and like self-actualize I yeah I guess that's what the the presence of the FBI um, that sort of undercurrent I guess that's what that does for me I don't know how well that blends into what everybody else is thinking or what Harry just said but that's I, again just my two cents 
Yeah, I really like Pappas's character because he represents to me like like almost Johnny Utah's future, right? Which is an essential part of the disillusionment that Johnny Utah feels is that like at the beginning of this movie, Pappas, similarly to the other characters, he sort of loses his soul because he is this adherent, this heriophant to the system um, that he's been a part of for his entire life. And we get to see what that looks like and who that person is, who is just broken by the monotony and the... Um, the disbelief of his coworkers, right? And like Johnny helps him regain his soul the same way that Johnny regains his soul through this movie um, by like listening to him and believing in him and finding that, that he has something to say, but in the process, like Johnny has to like learn who he is. And so like, like Pappas helps Johnny reach that point. He's like a catalyst. Right. But um, it, it is a really important uh, sort of like nuance character, right? Because we have to introduce this character who demonstrates that the system is not what Johnny thinks it is. In fact, it is interested in using and abusing and then breaking you the way that it did Pappas, right? And like Pappas is like this this mentor character to Johnny, but he's also like this warning almost where it's like, listen, you're going to be here for 20 years. And at the end of the day, your boss is going to be somebody younger than you who's shittier than you, who yells at you and doesn't respect you, right? And so like the culmination of of Pappas's character arc is that he punches that boss out, right? And he goes his own way with Johnny Utah and that's his version of rebellion. Um, and I think that, that that's a really great sort of um, complementary character arc to um, Johnny in, in Bodies. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's great to see like just a, a totally unchained Gary Busey performance. I think that like, so one good, of the, dude. the negative aspects of like, I think Gary Busey's kind of become a meme, right? I mean, he's kind of yeah, known very for much his so. eccentric behavior and whatnot, but it's like seeing him like as this character, it like really cements like how legitimately great of an actor he is and like full of charisma. And then I think he may actually be like my favorite part of this movie in a weird way. Um, and I, he, he's giving life to kind of an archetype that we've, I think we've all seen like a million times. Um, right. But he does like such a good job with it um and that was like the thing that i like really struck me about his characters i think we've all kind of been numb to gary Busey over the years just due to you know internet antics and whatnot but like Mm -hmm. he's like a legitimately very amazing actor who like does a really great job in this film also you you make a good point that like i would say that about all three of the leads here right that like a big part of why this movie works so well is because all of the all three of the leads are like unbelievably charismatic uh, and like soulful actors, right? Like Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, and Gary Busey is just such a f- fucking killer lineup. I think that's what sort of robs a little bit of the tension of it from me. It's not like a thrilling movie in many ways. I know that uh, Aaron was saying that one of the things that Catherine Bigelow wanted to do was sort of create those, you know, experiences that you couldn't get in any other movie, sort of like bring the audience's attention like straightforward. Um, and there is some like real like just the footage of you know the 50 year i did a little bit of research on some of the um types of waves just in preparation so i know what oh, I was hell yeah. about. uh i don't know much but like the point break itself like it seems like a very rare experience a r- rare thing to happen uh, especially in the sort of um you know in the way that it's filmed in this movie particularly the 50 year storm uh that caps the end of the movie but like just the fact that they were able to pull together shots like those uh, and instances like that, and then tie them thematically to the story is, you know, a real 
it's a real achievement. I don't know that it adds up to anything that I'd call particularly thrilling. Uh, I guess more of maybe it's just like because the per, what preceded the movie to me was the fact that it was just a well-known, um, you know, uh, I almost called him Johnny Utah again, Keanu Reeves' uh, role and, you know, uh, like a, a way, a vehicle for, you know, these really uh, explicitly homoerotic uh, tones. Like it, it didn't, embody a thing that I would call a thriller movie to me that doesn't matter much because the experience I got out of it was, uh, you know, incredibly positive otherwise, but it wasn't, I guess, despite a very soulful, charismatic, interesting, and very committed cast did. I don't know if like the intention was to actually thrill me. I don't think it did. That's interesting. I don't know that I'm that interested in like unpacking whether or not it, it thrilled me, but I, I guess I would say that, that, I don't disagree with you in that like the traditional action movie tension of the movie is is different here. It's a little bit more nuanced. But the thing that makes this movie really tense and exciting for me um, is that I really genuinely liked all of the characters, even though I was given tons of reasons not to, which is really like that's a that's a great achievement in my mind is that like when when Pappas dies, it, it fucking sucks, right? Like like I was devastated when Gary Busey exits the movie. And I actually felt sad when each of the surfers died too, right? Even though they were the ostensible villains of the of the movie. Um and that made this movie very tense to me is that I was so invested in the actual relationships and the actual like livelihoods of the characters that I wanted to see them make it on both sides. And I think that that thematically works so well is that like in the the uh, third act of this movie, you don't know if you want body to escape or not, just like Johnny doesn't, right? Like your allegiances are so conflicted at that point because you don't really want to see Johnny die and you don't want to see him fail, but you also very much don't want to see the ex-presidents receive their quote unquote justice, right? And so like that all gets, it all gets so wrapped up and so confused. And I think that it's it's a tremendous achievement that this movie can give me these deeply flawed d- deeply hippocratic characters right because like like body is not who he says he is he's a he's a brutal criminal right like and not a not a his philosophy is bunk because at the end of the day he has to kidnap a woman and subject her to torture in order to get what he wants which is exactly what somebody in the FBI would do um meanwhile Johnny is not who he says he was because he's a fucking cop and like the fact that that we can have these characters who are fundamentally like like undone by the system but we still can relate to and sympathize with them because we can recognize the ways in which like we also want to be different from who we have to be um it creates such a great like epic melodrama uh that is that is legitimately grounded in the themes of the movie that made it really tense to me like it made me very invested in this movie i think um in maybe maybe that that is different from what you're suggesting but like i think i i understand what you're saying um and that was just how it came off to I think that there's a there's a very uh, like sympathetic or, or even empathetic that response that that you have watching Body and his crew of you know kind of surfer criminals uh, you know kind of rob banks in order to just fund uh, you know I guess I don't know what are they doing like they're flying to foreign locations and surfing yeah, and going rock climbing. Endless summer, uh, Gary Busey calls it at I, one point. Yeah, I, I did. I, I did want to reference endless. Summer. I'll go back to endless summer in a second. Uh, Cause it's a good, I think reference point for this. Uh, but I, you know, I do think that, that I, I might 
disagree a little bit with you, Harry, about uh, Body being some sort of, of hypocrite, I think, in regard to his kind of personal ideals. Um, I think that the, the feeling that I got is that I do think Body kind of talked the talk and walked the walk. I think that if anything, we are supposed to understand that he is operating in a society that he understands will eventually catch up to him in a manner, right? Like, I think right, that he very knows much so. that his... Yeah, his 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 crimes and whatnot will eventually catch up to him. Obviously, kidnapping a, a woman's not great. Don't don't do don't do that. Um, but I think we we're we we're supposed to understand that the 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 flaw there is not inherently personal. Uh, yes, as much as it is that this philosophy is 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 incompatible with modern society. Exactly. Yep. Uh, as it exists well around him, um, I did think that that if there. Maybe I'll t- maybe I'll be able to tie this tie this into endless somewhere. I think my criticism of the movie is that I don't think the surfing. I think the surfing from a like thematic and symbolic standpoint is great. I think it perfectly embodies uh, this kind of uh, you know uh, carefree attitude that these characters are are kind of uh, looking to uh, you know live their lives by. I think that the idea of these kind of incoming waves that keep being built up and just being able just to feel that rush just for a moment. I really like that. I don't think the surfing scenes in this are like particularly uh, with the exception of the final scene. I don't think the surfing in this is particularly exciting. I think I was much more excited by the bank robbery uh, and kind of the, the FBI procedural stuff and even kind of the, the, the bromance uh, that developed over this film. Uh, I, I didn't especially love the surfing. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, I, but like, yeah, I don't think it's just you. I think it's because the <clears throat> the lens going in is, you know, that's not the point of the movie. I think that's how it's how it I thought that was the like, point of the movie. I thought I thought, to, well, I mean, in 2021, though, the thing is, like, you're not watching this movie for rad surfing like lingo and cool people yeah. like you're you're watching it because you heard that Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze do gay together. And it's like, OK, you're going to watch this movie for exactly that. It's a dude's watch for that purpose. It's not because, you know, the surfing looks cool or whatever. And I, I like that's that's why why I'm tempering my my criticism of like it's not that thrilling. It's not that tense is because I think. Uh, you know, visually, like if a producer is watching this movie, I think that's what that's what they're going to be looking at is, is it thrilling? Is it going to get butts and seats? Is it going to keep butts and seats? Um, and I don't think that that if the, if it were that alone, I don't think that would have kept me there. So that is like credit to it is that it is much more than that. I get this was a this was a, 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 a tangent, but I guess I just wanted to like add color to what Aaron was saying. Like it's I don't think it's intended to well, be that I, at least not yeah. in 2021. I don't know if it's necessarily a talent a tangent so much as that. I, I guess I didn't have that expectation going in. I thought it was going to be mostly surfing. Uh, and I think oh. that the film does intelligently kind of ditch that at a certain point uh, until it needs it at the end to bring it back up for, you know, kind of character development okay. purposes. Uh, we kind of went past it, but I did want to touch on um, Aaron. You articulated the idea of body really well, um, and I think that it's important to, to get there because it's important to set up the final scene, which has its existential ramifications. Right? Like you're right. Like body is not a hypocrite inherently. Like he is an adherent to his personal philosophy, and that is legitimate. The problem is, in my mind, that like the in the the tragedy and the tension of the third act of this movie is that in order to continue to survive, he has to compromise his position right? Like it's, it's not that it, that he's a hypocrite intentionally or, uh, inherently it's that, um, in order to continue to exist, uh, within the system that he's a part of, he has to slowly, like he is, he's dissolved, right? Like his, his philosophy has to disintegrate to the point where he is shooting cops and he is kidnapping women. 
and then the the final scene is the the final gift right that that johnny utah gives is the the ability to see and understand who uh body or body um is right because he's like he's he's got body where he wants him he's got him handcuffed and he says like I'm taking you in and body's like, Oh, so you get to be who you want to be, huh? Like you get to be the big hero. And, um, and then Johnny Utah at that point, he has to choose, right? Like, like, can I, do I allow body to go out on the 50 year wave dying, what doing what he loves and allow him to self-actualize as the person he wants to be. And in the process sort of philosophically, um, uh, like determine that this is a possibility, right? That people can be this, that we can still have souls and be the people we want to be. Or uh, do I attain the victory that I've been seeking within the system that I uh, have made myself a part of? And then obviously like what Johnny does is he chooses to let body be who he wants to be. And in the process, he regains his own soul and breaks out of the system, right? He throws the, uh, the badge um, into the ocean, which as uh, Priscilla Page notes in her great um, article about this uh, at Birth Movies Death um, is like a uh, an inversion of the end of Dirty Harry, um, which I think is really brilliant. Uh, but yeah, like, so it is really important that like body is trying to walk the walk. This is a movie about if it's possible to walk the walk, right? And the answer is like, it's fucking tough. It is fucking tough. Uh Commenting briefly on um, the just going back to the uh, like the use of surfing yeah. and I guess like scenes of spectacle in general. Um, I yeah I don't know I I wish and don't wish that I came into Point Break with like different expectations. I really only knew like the the poster of uh, Patrick Swayze and Counter Reeves just like you know looking hot. And like their faces occupy 95% of the poster. And that's really all I knew about it. And that like Catherine Bigelow directed it and it kind of got like it's, you know, cultural reappraisal in recent years. Um, yeah, I guess like with me coming into it uh, for you know, twice now, the the use of those scenes as sort of like a means to an end, I feel like is is like perfectly suitable and, and justified and like i don't know it, it feels comfortable enough to me like the, the sequences of surfing and later the uh, mostly i wanted to, to get to you know shouting out the uh fucking beautiful skydiving sequence like these are these are arenas in which these different sort of like identity objectives intersect with one another like the skydiving one specifically is built up um beforehand with you know uh, uh bits of of dialogue about you know having sex with gods and you know just being really uh at peace and that is sort of the the climax of these people together before you know the the ride and the thrill you know all that starts to to come to an end um so yeah i don't i don't know i i guess in those ways uh like yeah the the spectacle all work the skydiving sequence especially is still something that i think about constantly because it's it's so good um communal talking point inspired by a recent creation of a letterbox list um on harry's part is this a joker movie no uh it's pointedly i think it's it's an anti-joker movie i think that johnny utah at the beginning of this movie is the joker and he unlearns how to be the joker i'm hearing other opinions reverse joker yeah i don't know about that one I, uh, reverse joker i think this is not a joker or this movie has very little in common with the joker he regains opinion. his soul at the end of this movie man it's a reverse yeah, joker Yeah, but the the thing about the joker is the joker knows that he's the joker and johnny utah at the beginning of the film is not is not aware I, of his joker status. Im- immaterial to me not immaterial 
absolutely immaterial. immaterial to me. The opposite of immaterial. Uh, but also, I, I guess I just fundamentally disagree with your surfing uh, like criticisms because I just like I don't I don't understand what what you are asking for. Like, do you want more and better looking surfing? Because like, no. I no, I don't I, know. I, like, who I, gives I just, a shit? I just think when when we're when we when all other elements of the movie have fallen apart except for the relationship between uh, Bodhi and Johnny Utah, I don't know that there's anything else keeping me interested that if that is 100% of what I need to be interested. So it's not even a knock against the film, just that like, okay, so I'm watching a movie about surfing wherein the surfing is probably my least, the least, the thing I'm least interested in. I don't know that, but like so much of the final climax is based on the thrilling, like surfing and the thrilling, uh, plane jump and stuff. And those do like to an extent work toward the end but i just don't know that like it's it all ties together in a way that's like oh well i'm i'm invested in the characters and thrilled by what's happening on screen it was just like i am really invested in these characters and boy am i invested in these characters again i don't know if it's so much a criticism it's just a, a point of note like my watching notes it's the i think that the issue with again yeah who does care this is a nitpick right but like apart from like I just am not too interested watching surfing footage, I guess. Uh, I, I think that the way that this film uses surfing as kind of this, uh, you know, kind of symbolism, hyper masculine. Well, no, no, but like the, this, this is, is symbolic of this kind of uh, thrill seeking, right? Um, I, you know, th- this movie makes like uh, reference to endless summer, uh, the, the, the 1960s uh, surf documentary, which is about in, in the way that the ex-presidents kind of, uh, you know, when things get cold, they they go off to uh, other locations to kind of continue surfing and continue living this lifestyle. The Endless Summer is about people in California who did the same, who went to Australia, New Zealand and whatnot, uh, based on seasonality, just living the good life. Um, and I think that that's kind of interesting, but this movie is not really... It's about that to a certain extent, but it's also about the adrenaline adrenaline rush and the thrill ride and like extreme sports kind of taken to their their climax. And I think that that works better and kind of more interestingly when it's talking about the skydiving. Right. I, I think that the skydiving sure. works more in that manner to make that point. Um, you know, this movie is it has those kind of philosophical undercurrents of living a chill life, but I don't think it's really about that. I think it's kind of about thrill seekers just as much. Hmm. Oh, um, absolutely. That that, yeah. That in the death in, wish. Yeah. Which is why my favorite scenes in this, uh, my favorite scene is absolutely that bank robbery. I think that chase sequence is like so wonderfully done. Um, and like the skydiving is like, it has that, that beauty and kind of gracefulness while also they're fucking skydiving. Right. Um, which is also to say like, Hey, the surf scene, surf scenes aren't bad, but like the one at the end is like really good. Like that, that final scene in this movie is like really excellent. Um, and I think that it does kind of work. It comes to a head there, uh, in a way that I, I appreciate. Sure. And like, this is all to say, I don't think that the, uh, metaphor of surfing or of, you know, the movement of the tides is like a bad way to tie in everything that I liked about the movie. Um, Again, I, I did just the littlest bit of research on what a point break is supposed to be and like where it fits in the context of surfing. And it is when a point break um, is when uh, the swell, which is, of course, waves or excuse me, water moved by air, uh, hits a headland. So it hits like a point of land and splits. 
and it sort of wraps around uh, like diagonally along a coast, not directly perpendicular, but like starts to begin to gain momentum. Uh, it starts to move along the coast where like the actual length of the wave is getting shorter, but it's getting more and more intense. And uh, it's apparently very rare, like the conditions uh, have to be just right for that, for, you know, the, the position of the moon and the uh, movement of the tide and the time of year and the angle of the coastline, like the natural formation. Uh, and it's like, you know, maybe on the other side of that uh, headland, it's not going to create as strong a, a point break uh, because it's not, um, you know, maybe the conditions aren't right on the other side. I think that that like that tie in that the framing of, of surfing does work for me because like, you know, it's sort of um, Johnny is he has his path in life. He has like a, a certain decision point to make. Like Harry's saying, it's an uh, it's the opposite of a, of a Joker story because he regains his humanity because he once had like a passion and a drive and an excellence at something and was put into a system to, uh, you know, propagate it. But he eventually uh, he has like this. This is a decision point. This is an inflection point in deciding who he wants to be. And the, of course, the very end of the movie is he decides that he does not want to be an F FBI agent anymore. But like that notion of knowing when like the wave is going to break, knowing uh, like which side of like knowing which side of the island to be on, I guess, is where the whole metaphor of surfing and of the point break lines up for me in this movie. Um, I don't again. Who, who the fuck cares if it's actually thrilling, but I think just like it's stock and trade is, is thrills. And the, that's the tool that it's trying to use to get me there. I wish it had just leaned more into the metaphor rather than the actual like footage of guys surfing. Sometimes maybe that's anti dudes watch to me. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think that, that Aaron articulated it well. And also I really appreciate you actually spelling out the metaphor of the point break using the, uh, actual technical terminology because like i i understood that metaphor but like i couldn't tell you what a point break is right <laughs> and I, I probably should have looked that up so thank you um there's an interesting schism between the two sort of like ideas of what surfing is right which is that like aaron's right like it doesn't just encapsulate like soulfulness the way body is thinking about it it also encapsulates the like the thrill seeking and underlying death wish that comes with like extreme sports in general, right? Like skydiving and um, bank robbing. It's like, you only feel alive when you're right on the edge, right? Like when any moment could be your last, that's when it feels like you are who you are. And I think that there's an interesting criticism that makes a lot of sense to me actually about the idea that like the surfing is not actually what these guys are about. And so, because like, I think they would, ultimately there there's an interesting um hypocrisy angle to that right like i think that the schism is that that is actually what tyler is about right is she is actually a surfer who loves to surf and not for the what she would call the quote-unquote testosterone that these guys end up loving surfing for and so like there there's an interesting like the the idea is that like um that the death wish and the the, the masculine aspect of surfing is almost a perversion of something that um, Tyler is looking for, which is why it's, it's portrayed as so deeply tragic when they break with her. Right. And why, um, like body ends up being the sort of like, not quite hypocrite, but like there, there's some element that like, um, it's not an, it's not enough. Right. So I think that that's an interesting point. And even like your frustrations with surfing become very interesting under that lens. Right. Because it's like, this isn't really what the movie's about. And it's like, it's, where it's almost in the way or something. Right. And, but I, I think that that might be a feature instead of a bug is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I have the same problem with the 
first Fast and Furious movie where it's like, I don't sure. really care about cars and racing. Like the race, the races can be nice from time to time, but like I enjoyed those movies more when they became kind of these weird little on and off genre movies, uh, more so than like a movie about racing or cars. And like, I don't know this movie did make me kind of want to start to pick up uh, surfing. Although as it notes in the movie, I am much too old to do so uh, at this point in my life, I'd probably, probably die, you know, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, uh, again, it's a minor nitpick, I guess. Yeah, well, the only other point that I had was, um, uh, again, the uh, Johnny Tyler thing, how they are not ever really like, I mean, textually supposed to be like visually, uh, you know, he's he's got a crush on a girl and she's, you know, Tsundere back at him and all that. But it never really like, I mean, again, who who are we kidding? We're watching Point Break. It is not known as a movie where a heterosexual man falls in love with a heterosexual woman and they enjoy heterosexual life together. Yeah, uh, it rules, right? Like this is this is a movie where Catherine Bigelow put a traditional uh, movie romance in the movie, and then gave us enough to make it uh, feel not right, right? And it gave us enough to make it feel the way it's supposed to feel, which is like that Tyler is essentially a beard, right? Like, in my opinion, she's even masculinely coded for that purpose. But like the romance in this movie is between body and uh, Johnny, like Patrick Swayze was interviewed and said as much. He said like, Oh, I was playing it as a romance and that's how it comes off on screen. Like that's a hundred percent what this is about. I think that that's really fascinating, especially like when you tie in the idea that like Tyler also represents like the actual sort of like genuine surfer philosophy. Um, and what she's looking for is, is, genuine whereas what these guys are looking for is is not actually surfing right like they are actually more soulmates because of their um their mutual need to like express themselves destructively in terms of like the death wish and in terms of breaking systems whereas tyler is interested in expressing herself expressively right like surfing to her is actually about the things that body said it was about whereas that is only interesting to a point for him they need more they need it to be extreme they need it to be something that that's about proving something um and that's why like I think Tyler and Johnny are not actually like the romance in this movie, right? Like they don't have chemistry because they're not actually coming from the same place. Yeah. I I think I, I think I generally agree with that reading. Bigelow specifically wrote in, this was the screenplay was written by, let me scroll up on Wikipedia. Screenplay was written by Peter Illiff. Although a lot of people mentioned that uh, Bigelow also did quite a bit on the screenplay as well as James Cameron, who was, believe at the time uh her husband yes they broke up that year yep. um and I'll, uh, to give uh bigelow her credit here a lot of people i think uh, unfairly attribute uh some of her films that that cameron uh did kind of work on uh maybe a little too much to cameron um not so much this one uh but specifically uh strange days 1995 he helped write and she directed. And I think a lot of people say like, Oh, that's a Cameron film, which is kind of sexist and, and bullshit. Yeah, it's, that's misogynistic um, as fuck. Yes. Uh, I don't see, I don't see the relationship uh, between uh, Tyler and Johnny having anything to do with James Cameron, just based on my knowledge of James Cameron's uh, films. Uh, but I, I think Bigelow is someone who is kind of concerned with, with, I think uh, kind of, building on a lot of uh, kind of action movie tropes and whatnot. Uh, I think that this film, there's like so much there that supports that reading that, that I do find elements of it fascinating. Yeah. 
I also think that like I the more I think about this and this is new and maybe a bit of a hot take but like to me Tyler represents like the actual genuine article in terms of surfing which is like implied to be something that under sort of like like the evil system that these men are a part of they can't like they can't have right like like they can't feel themselves as worthy of or like like express themselves properly under um masculinity by just surfing they have to have the other thing which which is why johnny and and body understand each other on such a deep level is because they they are both like yearning for uh the like the the death slash release of um extremity okay harry do you want to help me uh, introduce our final segment I would love to, Jason. It's the final segment we like to call <gasps> Cody's, Cody's Noties. Wow. Thank you, gentlemen, uh, once again for your your thrilling introduction of this bit. Uh, there's really only one thing that can be done with this segment today when you consider uh, all of the references and shout outs we've made to both the man and his movies these past few years on the podcast. That's right. We're going to learn some things about Keanu Reeves in his career in a bit. I'm calling Do You Know Reeves, which is sung to the tune of Keanu Reeves. So you can practice that. Um, Basically, I will be running through some factoids about Keanu Charles Reeves. Uh, What I'll do is present each tidbit one at a time. After each statement, I will ask you all in alphabetical by first name order to respond. You may be uh, picking an option from a few different choices. You may be given uh, a free response uh, for you to, you know, for you to respond to. You may be asked to sing a song. Fuck, it's anyone's guess, really. Um, Regardless, if you respond good you'll get a point and the person who responds the goodest uh, most often will win the game as always trivia mafia rules apply here so use your noodles not your googles with that i think we can jump in um first off of course we really need to start this off by talking about john wick which is uh collectively maybe probably one of our most referenced movies uh so this may or may not be a layup sports reference not to put any added pressure on you fellas but According to Keanu Reeves, what percentage of his own stunts did he do in 2014's John Wick? Aaron? Looking for a percentage, uh, so number. Pers- okay, are we doing, you know, clo- I mean, what rules are we doing for, hey, hey to nip pad, I just want to make sure. No, I, I think you've been given enough information to respond. 100%. With, uh, with 100%, 100%, okay. Harry? I'm going to say 75. 75, says Harry, and Jason? Mm, 60 60 uh from his own mouth allegedly keanu reeves did 90 percent of his own stunts in the first john wick film uh so aaron even with uh insufficient information hesitation uh, yes yeah yeah the hezzy the hezzy uh jumps uh jump shot um more sports. Wow, I can't stop. Uh, so, okay, Aaron gets the point there. For number two, we will bounce back to uh, the the movie at hand here, Point Break. Now, there's no official count that I could find for how many times the word fuck and its derivatives are uttered in the film, but there appears to be a consensus online. So I ask you all now, how many times do people say fuck in Point Break? Aaron first. Uh, Same rules as previous question, basically. Closest yeah. person gets the point. I will elaborate. I'm not. I'm not that much of a dick. Uh, seventeen. Seventeen says Aaron Harry. That's too many. Oh, I don't think it's enough. I was going to do uh, twenty-two. Twenty-two says Harry and Jason. 
50. 50. Damn. Uh, come on, y'all. The fucks in point break total 105, according Ooh. to various Wait, multiple online sources. 105. Wow. That's a lot of fucks. Isn't that one of like, the highest? Like... No, not even close. Not even close. Yeah, no. Like, Tarantino and like, like, Goodfellas and stuff, they get into the two and three hundreds. I had no idea that there were that many. I guess I wasn't paying attention. I'm so desensitized. Yeah, the, the fucks are, I guess, part Fuck. of the subtext, not the text. Yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll contribute a little. Um, so point there for Jason. Uh, he and Aaron both have one. Uh, we're waiting for Harry to get on the board here. But thankfully, we have okay. more questions. So that'll be really good, uh, potentially. Wait, did you somebody. say somebody, somebody's not yet on the board? Uh, what, what did uh, I what did I do to you guys? Huh? That would be that would be Harry Utah, Harry Utah. Okay, okay. Just just need to uh, for posterity. Thank you, thank you. Continue the okay. game. Yeah, of, of course. Uh, we're having fun. Number three. Uh, we'll stick with Point Break a little bit longer here. The role of Johnny Utah was uh, certainly in high demand. Many iconic dudes of Hollywood were in talks to play that character. Uh, I need to know which one of the following fellas were not reportedly in consideration to play Johnny Utah. So I'm going to list four. Three of these names will be legit. We need the name of the one illegitimate Johnny Utah contender in the bunch. So I'll list them out here. A, Matthew Broderick. B, Johnny Depp. (laughs) C, Brad Pitt. Or D, Willem Dafoe. Which one of those is not a, uh, or was not a Johnny Utah contender? Aaron? I had read the bit on Wikipedia about this, and I don't remember. Oh, no. Oh, uh, I'm going to go with uh, B. You're going to go with B, Johnny Depp? Yeah, I'm going to go with Depp. Okay. Harry? Oh, man. I Unfortunately, like I have to go with D. Uh, he would be great, for the record. I think he would be maybe a better body, but uh, I, I don't think that they probably chose... Uh, Willem Dafoe. Although, if they had seen uh, To Live and Die in L.A., maybe they did, but I'm, I'm done talking now. No, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I think he would have been a, a great body, maybe even a better Bodhi. Um, but I will get Jason's guess now. Wow. Uh, I'm afraid Harry's ass been got. Uh, we... Oh, I, just, okay. I, don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care about I, the pronunciation about, at all. I, hopefully that was clear. Got. Uh, okay, so... I did see this on Wikipedia, and I think I remember well enough to answer C. C. All right. Uh, the actor from this list, who I could not find ever having been connected to the role of Johnny Utah, is, in fact, C. Brad Pitt. Uh, yes. Johnny Depp. Uh, Johnny Depp apparently at least auditioned. Uh, Broderick reportedly turned the role down, which what a wild Thank movie that God. would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, depending on the source, Defoe either only auditioned or he auditioned got the part and then later dropped out he was uh, he was the one that i couldn't remember because but i figured he was in the loveless which i think was catherine bigelow's first movie so yeah there had had to have been a connection there damn that's a real point jason i believe uh broderick was attached when ridley scott was attached to direct which would have been the worst movie yeah that sounds like the worst movie i love broderick you know like yeah i i love certain things for both those people but yeah that's not a good ridley scott is wild because he's a he is uh, like genuinely unquestionably made some of the best movies ever made. And I don't think I consider him a good director. I think that's hey, true. What, yeah. what the fuck is up with that? I mean, that dude directed alien. Anyway, he sorry. We're, let's move on. 
No, that's okay. Uh, yeah, he directed uh, some movies that we discussed in previous episodes, talking about that that back catalog of ours. Um, in the meantime, though, we will be moving right along to question four. Uh, and this was thankfully referenced earlier in the episode, kind of bringing this back. I think we can on some level agree that the career of Keanu Reeves captures a uh, certainly a lot of greatness as well as a good amount of uh, misunderstanding from the masses uh, and a misunderstanding from the damn cat who is crashing into shit. Um, it's uh, on my to-do list to shout out the cat every time uh, uh, we record an episode. So you can mark off your trial of bingo cards. Uh, one popular vehicle for highlighting misunderstood art uh, and or just plain bad art is the Golden Raspberry Awards, uh, otherwise known as the Razzies. This is a a guild that has recognized cinematic underachievements. I'm putting scare quotes around underachievements for the past 40 years. Uh, I ask you three, for how many roles has Keanu Reeves been nominated for a Razzie? I will start with Aaron. Oh, uh, the five. Aaron says five. How many does Harry say? I was going to say four, but I'm going to say six now to try to beat out uh, Aaron. So if that comes back to bite me, you guys can feel free to get my ass. All right, also, Harry's... Fuck, fuck the Razzies. Agreed. Fuck the Razzies. Yeah, um, okay. Six, Harry's trying to beat out Aaron and Jason. Um, I feel like not enough of his projects that he was like could be considered bad in or like people want to malign have reached the point of like being recognized by the Razzies. So I think I'm going to go with four. Jason's going to go with four. This is a dirty uh, the, tactic, motherfucker. I'm, listen. The, right. Wow. Jeez, even won, before haven't I haven't won read a Cody's Noties in a little while and you want to you want to cheat in order this to get is, back uh, on top. I understand. This, this okay, is what Zero Dark Thirty is about. I've just won too much recently, so you and Harry have conspired to take me down. I understand what's going on. Uh, Harry, if you haven't already, you're going to have to add uh, this podcast to your list of Joker movies. Um, just, you know, <laughs> putting that out there. Uh, the... uh, it was long ago, I think. Yeah, because yeah, Jason's you're right. on it. He's a clown. Whoa. Huh? Goddamn. Uh, I... Yeah, I <laughs> am now the Joker seven. within the Joker. The answer is seven. The answer is seven Razzie-nominated <laughs> roles. Uh, Harry gets the point there. Now, uh, before I list those movies, I would like to give everyone here one chance apiece at guessing one of the seven movies that uh, had a, a Razzie-nominated role for Keanu Reeves. Uh, if you're able to correctly identify a film that Keanu Reeves uh, received a Razzie nomination for, you'll get an extra point. Again, you get one guess at one movie. We're going to do the same thing, uh, alphabetical order by first name. I, the hands were, were wilding in the chat. Did anybody have an actual question? Or, no. Or, I, okay. I, I, well, okay. I didn't know we were going in order or what the deal was. Okay, I like we are going in order. Matrix yeah. Revolutions. Matrix Revolutions, says Aaron. Uh, Harry, do you got one? Uh, the Lake House. The Lake House, says Harry and Jason. What you got? Harry answered way too quickly. Um, Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic says Jason. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I am now going to read off the the seven films that have been nominated uh, have been nominated for Razzies um, for Keanu Reeves's performances. A mixture of best or rather, I guess, worst actor and worst supporting actor. Um, so I'm going to go chronologically here. Uh, 1993's Much Ado About Nothing, 1995's A Walk in the Clouds. 1995's Johnny Mnemonic, Ooh, 1990, nice. 1996's Chain Reaction, 2000's The Watcher, 2001's Sweet November, 
And finally, 2001's Hardball. Huh. Whoa. So so I believe Jason huh. was the only one who got a point out of that, um, that second part anyway. Uh, Harry, of course, got the, the closest guess uh, with six, um, uh, seven in actuality. I should also note that, uh, just to do the man justice, uh, Keanu Reeves was recently recognized by the, the Golden Raspberry Award Foundation. Apparently that's real. For the recent upswing in his career in 2020, he was nominated for their Redeemer Award for his roles in John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, and Toy Story 4. Uh, he did end up losing the Redeemer Award to Eddie Murphy, who won for Dolomite Is My Name. Um, what the fuck? The Raspberry... The golden, oh my god! Yeah. Imagine thinking that either Eddie Murphy or Keanu Reeves has to be "quote unquote" redeemed. Like, go fuck yourself. It's up. Uh, and I also wanted to, you know, exp- uh, expand upon that uh, to clarify with any um, diehard listeners that the golden berries are not in any way named after the Golden Raspberry uh, Awards. That is sheer coincidence. I had no idea that was the full name. The golden berries are indeed named after. Uh, Barry of Trilon Cinema fame. So, just putting that out there. That's Mr. Krishka only. Mr. Krishka only um, is the name of a spinoff podcast we'll do someday. But for our our final challenge, uh, similar to what we've done in previous games, I'm going to read off three quotes allegedly uttered by Keanu Reeves. Two of these utterances will be for real, again, allegedly, and one will be fake. Your task is to pick out the fake one. So I'll read off the three quotes here and leave it to each of you to pick out the imposter afterward. The scoreboard, uh, as it is right now, has Jason in the lead with three, and Aaron and Harry tied uh, a piece with one. Um, I think I did that grammatically somewhat correctly. Um, I'm now going to read off the quotes. Uh, So this is the first one. It's always wonderful to get to know women with the mystery and the joy and the depth. If you can make a woman laugh, you're seeing the most beautiful thing in the universe. So that's the first one. The the second quote. Keanu Reeves, a simp. We just gotta uh, love him even more. Uh, yeah, Keanu Reeves, subscribe to Year of the Simp Challenge. Uh, we're all doing it. Uh, second quote. What would happen if you melted? You know, you never really hear this talked about much, but spontaneous combustion, it exists. So that's the second one. He's right also, by the way. Uh, the third quote, third and final quote. But I did Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. They made a cereal out of it. So once you've had a cereal, it doesn't get much more surreal than that. Surreal cereal. End quote. <laughs> uh, with those quotes bopping around your brains, um, I'll start with Aaron. Aaron, which one of those is uh, the imposter quote? Just for my own benefit, could you repeat that first quote? Sure. Just for It's me. always wonder. Just for you. Uh, so if you're not Aaron, you know, deafen your, 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 yeah. uh, your headphones. It's always wonderful to get to know women with the mystery and the joy and the depth. If you can make a woman laugh, you're seeing the most beautiful thing in the universe. He's right. Okay. Yeah. So I know spontaneous combustion was like a big deal for a number of years, but that, what does that have to do with melt? You're not melting. I kind of want to go after you combust, you would melt presumably because of the heat. All right. Okay. Um, You'd be David Lee Ross, crazy from the heat, and then you would melt. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go the, I'm gonna go the second one because it seems off. I like to think my boy Keanu's smarter than that, so I'm gonna go the second one. 
Gotcha. All right. Uh, second quote, a.k.a. B for Aaron. Uh, Harry, what do you think? I'm going to do one of my classic called shots that I have never gotten except for that one part with Toshiro Meifune. Or uh, no, it was Akira Kurosawa. But um, I think that it's C, and I think it's because he was talking about The Matrix. Gotcha. Uh, C for Harry and Jason. What you God picking? Damn it! That was going to be my exact answer because I swear to God, I'm certain I saw Matrix cereal at some point in my life. It's just ones and zeros, got- baby. Ah, uh, all right. Do we both get points if we both get it right, or do I have yeah. to choose another one? Yeah, you don't split a point. You get a you would get a full all point right. if you both get it right. This is legit. I have a title to defend, so see. You're gonna win all anyway. Right. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, the imposter is a. Uh, here's the actual version ah, of the damn. quote. It's always wonderful to get to know women with the mystery and the joy and the depth. If you can make a woman laugh, you're seeing the most beautiful thing on God's earth. On God's earth. Wow. Not the universe. Uh, less oh, of a, man. a cosmically Reeves driven man. Yeah. Plus uh, simp minus theist. So you can't win them all. <laughs> very, very true. Um, I guess following that, I, I knew that'd be sort of a, a dull note to end on. So as a palate cleanser for the rest of our day, I do want to share one more Keanu quote. Uh, the background for this uh, is, as I mentioned proudly earlier yesterday, I watched Speed for the first time. Uh, it fucking rules. And yeah, speed I love rules, it. Dude. I love it so goddamn much. And what I'm about to say may or may not be, it's probably common knowledge to the world because this was like 25 years ago, but Keanu turned down the chance to reprise his character in 1997's Speed 2 Cruise Control. What follows is allegedly what he had to say about it. I didn't get to be in that. Well, I decided not to be in that. I loved working with John DeBont and Sandra, of course. It was just a situation in life where I got the script and I read the script and I was like, ugh. It was about a cruise ship And I was thinking, a bus, a cruise ship, speed, bus. But then a cruise ship is even slower than a bus. And I was like, I love you guys, but I just can't do it. End quote. (laughs) So so just to sum that up, uh, Keanu Reeves has the integrity. He he has the integrity to turn down a role in the sequel to the fifth highest grossing film of 1994 because an action movie on a cruise ship is dumb as hell. And that is one of the coolest things anybody has ever done. Thank you for your time. Uh, Final tally, Jason 3, Aaron 1, Harry 1. That was Do You Know Reeves. Has there been a good, like other than like a boat sinking, you know, a Poseidon adventure, has there been a good action movie on a cruise ship? Because that sounds like it would rock, actually. There there Uh, must be. The Titanic. Okay, so I I said not a sinking. Anyway, it's... Anyway. I think it would be a good setting. That movie only sinks once in the movie. I mean, I don't know if it's about a sinking. Uh, thank there, you very much. Most boats only sink once. Yeah. I, very few boats have sunk more than once. It's, right. I, probably some have. I think uh, most boats don't sink at all, actually. Harry. Sure. But but most boats that sink only sink once. How about this? Uh, anybody with insight into this, uh, email us or tweet at us. Um, you, any information you have about boats. The, we'll do a boatcast, fre- yeah. Boatcast, yeah. Hey, welcome to Boatcast. Uh, the frequency with which boats have sunk um, or haven't sunk, we would love to hear from you. Listen, all I'm trying to prove is that boats can sink twice, and please don't sink my boat on this. I'm really attached to this argument. Uh, and thank you very much for listening to Trilove. Uh, this has been our episode about Point Break, our final non-line boys pick. Thank you very much for following along. If you did, if you didn't, you can go back and listen to uh, episodes on each of our uh, favorite movies that we always wanted to talk about on the podcast and never really got to. Um, the, that has been, uh, I, I guess, each of us. God, I'm really getting off topic here. I'm trying to cor- correlate my notes, but. 
Uh, you can go to the Trilon uh, these days and see movies, but be careful if you do. Please wear a mask. Make sure that you are you get vaccinated at the earliest opportunity. Um, we have linked in the show notes and in the episode tweet uh, a couple of resources that you can uh, support monetarily to um, support uh, communities of color in our area up here in Minneapolis. Um, but until next time, I think we're diving into, are we diving into, do we want to call the shot on calling on diving into Jacques Tati uh, with the Trilon in their upcoming series? Are we transitioning yeah, can, to that right now? I think that is well, following. Next week. Yeah, yeah I that's think so. I mean. Yeah. Sick. Cool. Well, that's the shot called. Um, you can expect episodes from us on those, and then you can catch them at the Trilon the following weekend. Uh, but for now, my name is Jason. Uh, this is Trilove. You can find us on, uh, Jesus, Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org. My name is Jason. Again, uh, my name is Jason, and my name is Jason, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Uh, that was Jason. Shoutouts to Jason. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. It is a, uh, a pretty fucked up time to be alive, uh, much less a, you know, fucked up time to try and uh, find out who you are, uh, what your identity might be. So, yeah, anything you can do to um, help yourself, help others in these, again, very fucked up times, uh, probably probably good for you. Um, just a guess. But I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I feel like Cody was trying to beat out the uh, the number of fucks said in Point Break on this episode, so maybe I can help him out with like a fuck, 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 uh, which is how I felt about being inside for the last year. Um, it looks like fuck we're yeah. maybe turning a corner on that, which is awesome. Um, I have no idea uh, when I'm going to go to the trial on again, to be quite honest. I think everything's still up in the air, but I hope to see all of you there someday. Um, I'm between vaccinations right now. I think most of us are either done with vaccinations or between vaccinations. Um, um, again, get vaccinated as soon as you can. Um, help out uh, Brooklyn Park um, and the communities of color in and around the Twin Cities if you can. That would be really great. Um, and wear a mask when you go out and everything. Um, you know, you don't have to listen. We're not your boss. Like, we're just dipshits with a podcast. But, you know, um, that would be great to do if, if you can do that. And uh, thanks for listening. Um, the non-lon boys picks was super fun i'm super glad we got to talk about that so if you tuned in for those thank you um and we'll be back at the trilon for your regularly scheduled programming soon um i've been harry you can find me on shiitake harry on at shiitake harry jesus uh my name is aaron uh as usual representing uh johnson and johnson gang don't believe the anti-hype uh that recent uh figures in the news have thrown out there perfectly safe and uh very enjoyable one shot and i've got to go back to the same place very enjoyable let's let's not oversell it i'm walking around i'm coughing into the air i'm great i'm completely immune now nothing bad wait what Uh, you can find me on twitter at rb please don't worry about it and uh yeah uh be uh safe and all that I've been to every city in Mexico, came across an unclaimed piece of meat in Baja, turned out to be Rosie, guess he picked a knife fight with somebody better, found a passport of yours in Sumatra, missed you by about a week in Fiji, but I knew you wouldn't miss the 50-year storm, Cody. Cody.